this is my Bible. I believe. It is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ, to the glory of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right. Glory to God. Glory to God. Turn with me to Romans 8. Uh, this is going to be a, a little bit different type of a service today. Uh, I'm going to minister for about 20 minutes, I don't know, 25 minutes, and then we're going to watch a video, and I'll give an introduction to it for it's about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, 13 minutes. And I believe it'll, it'll really impact you, and then we'll come back and uh, share uh, some different things. Glory to God. Amen. But we've been sharing about the glory of God, and it really is all about intimacy. Amen? It's all about relationship. God doesn't do anything that's not in the context of relationship. He will never tell you to do something that is not in your best interest. Amen? Sometimes he might tell you something that's hard to do. Mm, give up certain friends uh, that aren't walking with Jesus. Uh, man, uh, do this, do that. But he will never tell you to do something that's not in your best interest. Amen? Whether it's holiness, whether it's, you know, everything's involved holiness, but giving, whether it's just whatever it is, everything he does in the context of relationship. We know Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, it says that when Jesus was on the cross, his mind was on you and me. The joy that was set before him of his ability through his redemptive sacrifice to open up the gates of relationship for eternity for you and I. Glory to God. His eyes were not on the pain. His eyes were not on how he was being mistreated. His eyes were on you and me in the midst of infinite pain and suffering. Isn't it good to know that our God, amen, hallelujah, he knows the number of hairs on our head, hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible says that in Isaiah 49 that our names, there's a picture on, on the palms of his hands of each of us. How's that possible? Well, he's omnipresent on his nail-scarred hands, glory to God, amen. All right, last week we talked a little bit about the anointing of God and the context of relationship. And I, we're going to use Romans 8 today to uh, accentuate some things we have talked about and to enter into, uh, glory to God, just the truth of what it really means to be a Christian in the context of, of just how, man, he makes things real to us. And that's through Romans 8, through the Spirit of God, okay? So turn there with me. Uh, again, the anointing of God is the life of God manifest to you through the Holy Spirit, through Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Bible says that David was a shepherd boy. But then when he was anointed by Samuel, it was poured over his head. Man, it was symbolic of the life of God 
entering into David in the context of gifting to accomplish what he was called to do. In the Old Testament, the only people that were anointed like that were the king, the priest, and the prophet. The king, obviously, was the head of everything. And the prophet, his job was to show the heart of God to the people. And then the priest, his job was to show the heart of the people to God. But man, when David was anointed, everything changed. He went from a shepherd boy who really, man, his father, Jesse, I mean, he was the youngest. And he had brothers that were renowned in battle. And man, when Samuel came to anoint one of his sons, Jesse said, there's no way that he's going to anoint David. He's young. Man, I got him tending the sheep just so he doesn't bother us. Amen? But you see, there's something in the heart of David that God saw that wasn't in his other brothers. But when God anointed him to Samuel, something happened to David. Glory to God. Man, he, he began to enter into an intimacy with God that he never had before. Began to write the Psalms. He began to hear the voice of God, experience the presence of God. He entered in to experience the very strength of the living God. And he had a heart for the sheep which represented the body of Christ today. And man, when a lion came, can you imagine that? A full-fledged lion who took a sheep out of his flock that he was watching. Man, he grabbed it out of his mouth somehow. And when the lion came to destroy him, he's just a 16-year-old boy, 15 years old, 16. He literally grabbed the lion and shred him. Wow. And then he did the same thing to a bear. And that's why he was so confident against Goliath. He said, my God, you always say Habath, the God who fights for me, who fights through me, who fights for me. Man, Goliath will just be, if I, if I was destroyed a lion and destroyed a bear, surely he's no match for me. But what's that have to do to us? Man, the anointing of God is the key to Jesus being real to your life. Holy Spirit is the key. You know, it's amazing. They did a study at uh, Christian University, uh, and uh, I believe it was in Illinois, and they took a poll of Christians. And Almost half of Christians didn't even know that the Holy Spirit, who he was, that he was even a person. They said he was a power. That, wow, that is just hard to comprehend. Jesus said, man, baptize all nations and teach them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at today through Romans 8. Man alive. Just the, the awesome glory of having Holy Spirit in us. What that means, what it entails to some degree. Glory to God. Again, to the degree that the Holy Spirit, the degree the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real, to so the degree that he will be real in your life. You cannot make Jesus real. It's only by revelation of the scriptures it's only as you hear his voice, only through his presence, and, and that comes through the Holy Spirit. 
how God anointed Jesus himself with the Holy, with Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, killing all that were oppressed of the devil, Acts 10, 38. So we're going to enter into this and, uh, you know, uh, man, Romans 7 precedes Romans 8. Romans 7 is a very depressing chapter in the New Testament. And it's meant to be. It's talking about people that are religious but not saved. And Paul's especially referring to the Jews of his time who were very religious. And they even, some of them wanted to keep the law. But they were unable to keep the law because they were trying to keep it in their own strength. That many were trying to keep the law like he was just to impress people to gain a position of notoriety. So Romans 7, it says, you know, the things that I want to do, I can't do. Isn't that good news? The things that I don't want to do that are evil, that are horrible, that are destructive, I end up doing. Well, that's the person that's under the law. That's a person that's not saved. But yet, again, statistically, half of Christians plus believe that Romans 7 is talking about the Christian. Man. There is a young man I was discipling years ago. And, and, uh, and uh, he was a head of a campus ministry at a certain college, Christian college. And he, we went uh, around to the guy's residence hall. And we just asked a few questions. And uh, kid was a tough guy. He was on a football team. Just a, he's a lawyer now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But uh, we just said, you know, scale one to ten, how are you doing? How's your relationship with Jesus? And almost everybody answered like about five. And they were struggling with this or that. And then almost every one of them quoted Romans 7. And Caleb was kind of a tough young man. He said, I got to go tired. So I'm just going, I said, just relax. You know what I'm saying? This, this just hasn't been teaching. But Romans 8, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no inability to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after Holy Spirit and not after their own strength. Amen? It says, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? Always ask yourself, when you see that, what is the therefore, therefore? It's to tell you that Romans 7 is not who you are, who you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. And it goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of life, that's Holy Spirit, has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life. What's the law of the spirit of life? It's when you can't do it and you acknowledge you can't do it. But because he's in you, you quote, greater is he that's in me that's in the world. Hallelujah. You quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who infuses the life of Jesus into me. And then Holy Spirit takes over and life defeats death, ability defeats inability, victory overcomes defeat. It's a law. Hallelujah. Amen? Yes. Glory to God. It's a law. Someone says, well, it worked for me. Well, well it, man, it's a law. Of course it will work. Does the law of gravity work for you? Glory for the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Can you say that with me? 
Say, God did. Woo! Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Mm. As the sin offering. Glory to God. Who condemned, destroyed our sinfulness. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after our flesh. Our own strength. But after Holy Spirit. Man, it goes on to say. That those of the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. The religious people, they're just trying to find out how do I make this work? And it doesn't work. But those of the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. What are the things of the Holy Spirit? Man, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Woo, it's the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's grace. And the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on Holy Spirit is life in peace. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, and it goes on, I'm just quoting from Romans 8, and it says that those in the flesh, man, they can't please God. They're not unable to please God. They are enemies of God. The natural mind, without the Spirit, is an enemy of God. There's a way that looks right under a man, but his way is death. But the Bible says, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. What's it mean to be in the spirit? It means to live in a different realm, not bound by what you see, but who you are and who he is to you. But you are in the spirit. Who, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, not of any, not of any man not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Woo, Jesus, hallelujah. Then it goes on to say, mm, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if he who raised Jesus from the dead, we're now in Romans 11. Woo, hallelujah. But if he who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, then God, through the self-same Holy Spirit, will quicken your mortal bodies. And you will walk in resurrected life. Amen. That's for each of us here. Every person here. Not because someone's a pastor or this or that. It's for each of us here. Amen. If I can, you can. If you can, I can. There's no favorites with God. Woo, Jesus. Then the next verse says, therefore, again, we are not under obligation to live after the flesh. Amen. Man, there should be a difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. There should be a difference. Amen? Is that song, Walk Like an Egyptian? A lot of Christians do. Amen? <laughs> no, there should be a difference. Man. Who, Jesus, we're not under obligation to live after flesh. For if you live after flesh, you will die. But if by Holy Spirit you put the deeds, man, of the flesh to death. You will live. Hallelujah, Jesus. For those who are true Christians are those who are led by the Spirit of God, lived through by the Spirit of God, quickened by the Spirit of God, infused into by the Spirit of God, by Holy Spirit. Jesus. For you've not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, no matter what the report is. And it's hard in the natural. It's hard in the natural. But I'll tell you what, it's an easy yoke through Holy Spirit. 
So we've not received a spirit again to fear, but we've received the spirit of, of his son whereby we cry out, Abba. The spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God, that are children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. If indeed we suffer with him, that we will be glorified together. All right. Glory to Jesus. See, we need to enter in the putting our mind on Holy Spirit. Setting our mind on the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? What you set your mind on will determine who you will be. Amen? I want to set my mind on the grace of God that saved me. I want to set my mind on the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. I want to set my mind on the power of the name of Jesus. I want to set my mind on the word of God. I want to set my mind on the greater one within me. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil will do everything he can to get your mind on something else. Amen. Man, you're having a hard time. And it's like, wow, I, I just get your mind on just your weaknesses. Whew, man, you get your mind on how you feel. We've all, we're human, we're subjected to that challenge. We get your mind on someone's offended you and man, how the enemy is just trying to eat your lunch through that. He, or man, you messed up, we, you know. He, he tries to get our mind off of Jesus. Get our mind off of the Spirit of God. Mm, Jesus. I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Glory to God. Again, the mind set on these things will bring forth victory. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And some people are so negative. And it's because a lot of people have never been taught and they've been through a, a lot of things that, I, I tell you, will make you negative in the natural. But I've got to set my mind on the victory. Honestly, we have to set our mind. So we know in the time of battle who he is to us, who we are to him, and that he's going to fight for us through the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. There will be challenges. Man, but I tell you what, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. How many have ever faced challenges? Amen. How do you get through? The only way you can get through for real and get true closure is through the Spirit of God. Oh, man, he's the only one that can give us grace. He's the only one that can give us wisdom. He's the only one that can give us strength. He's the only one that, man, can keep you keep on when you don't understand what's going on. Amen? Jesus, man. But my most difficult times, all I can tell you is this. I know that it wasn't my strength. My willpower, it was only by his spirit. And we've all gone through things. And we've all gone through things. Jesus, 
whatever, I just sense right now, some listening, man, whatever you're going through now, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through now, the Spirit of God will buoy you up. He will get you through. And he will bring forth victory, even in the midst of great challenge. All right. Okay, we're going to watch a video, and it's not just because it's somewhat sensational. I mean, it's a boy that, I don't even know how old he was, 26 major things wrong. I mean, as one of the, probably the greatest miracles I've ever heard of. I mean, when David Hogan comes, I'll tell you about, you know, lepers with no toes, no fingers, no everything about God. And I mean, supernaturally being made whole and beyond that. And this is something like that. But I'm not sharing it just in the context of it being sensational. I'm sharing it so you can see the one who did this can do what you need him to do. I don't care if it's to help you in the class. I don't care if it's help you on the job or with some familiar sin, whatever it is. And let me just uh, preface it by sharing this. A number of years ago, there is a well-known minister of the gospel at the time. His name was R.W. Schambach. And he had one of the largest ministries in the nation. Actually, when he was a younger man, he pastored an Assembly of God church in Elwood City, not far from here. And uh, just a tremendous man of God. And uh, one of his mentors was a guy named A.A. Allen. And... Uh, he shares a testimony that happened on one of the services, and it's just amazing. But I'll never forget, years ago, R.W. Schambach, who's a Pentecostal preacher, he was doing a large meeting in West Middlesex, Pennsylvania, 45, what, 20, 45 minutes from here, 40 minutes, at a, camp, a Church of God campground. And there's probably, honestly, about 2,000 people there. It was really a big meeting. And I knew a minister that was very good friends with Shambok. So I got to sit in the front row. And Shambok, I'm going to be honest with you. Man, he, he, he just had an amazing ministry. I mean, and he had a large African-American audience. I remember Kathy and I, Pastor Kathy and I went to see him at, at, uh, down, down in Pittsburgh. I think we're probably the only white people there, which is fine. I could care less. But it's like, he had an amazing, it was like 90% of people with sickle cell anemia were instantly healed in his ministry. In fact, at this meeting, there was a guy that flew in from Los Angeles who had sickle cell anemia and dying that was healed. But I'll never forget, I talked to him with my friend before the service, and we were sitting not too far from there. There's a stage there. And there was a lady that came forth for prayer. And he said, she said, I'm one of only seven people in the whole world. She said, my face, she could hardly talk is turning to stone. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So before he prayed, uh, he came down off of the where he was at, the stage, came right up to me and my friend. He put his hand on my left hand, and he said, you know what? There's so much unbelief in this place. He said, can you agree with me that this woman will be healed? I'm a younger Christian back then. I'm like, yeah, I will. You know, and my, and my friend who's a pastor said, okay. And then he went back on stage. It was the craziest thing. And uh, he prayed and Jesus came. And afterwards, he just said, man, there was just a battle in the spirit there as he was preaching the whole time. But he got victory. But I just, he's a real, very, I mean, just a good guy. You know, the reason I shared this to make this palatable, it's like, 
you know, he's just a good guy. He has a real heart after God. And uh, so we're going to watch this. And I pray, let God minister to you, not just because of the, the miracle, but the one that's in you. The one that's in you is the one that did this. Okay? Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do we want to turn off the lights? Would that help? I had young Carlos, who's been driving me around, brought me from the airport. And he said, Brother Shambach, what's the greatest miracle you ever saw? I said, do you got three hours? <laughs> and I gave him the short version of it. And this is when I be- believe that God opened the veil and allowed me to look into the future. We were in Birmingham, Alabama when I was with Brother Allen. And a woman brought a little boy in four years of age who was born with 26 diseases. He had no male organs on his body. He was born blind and deaf and dumb. His tongue hanged out of his mouth and lay on his chin. Both arms and legs were twisted together and matted together. The elbows penetrated into his little tummy. His knees touched the elbows and he had no feet. Clubs, you don't put shoes on clubs, you put shoes on feet. And they mother brought that child in I wrote the card out. I gave it to her in the afternoon service. I was preaching faith. And she was there all week long. But the card was never called. Sometimes we get in too big of a hurry. We run into church. Quick preacher, lay hands on me. Bible says lay suddenly, lay hands suddenly on no man. Some people need to sit down and hear the word of God preached. And they need to get those preconceived opinions and them doctrines of devils that they have in their, in their brain. And they need to hear the unadulterated word of God that God's not dead, but he's alive. And he's the same today as he was yesterday. That woman sat there with that boy three services a day. She came from another city like you did. following Sunday she came after I preached in the afternoon she said brother Shambach I run out of money have you ever been there she said my boy hadn't been prayed for yet I said I refuse to apologize for the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost used brother Allen in a different way and every night he would minister but it was in a different vein and he didn't call the prayer cards but she said I've been staying in the hotel I've been eating in restaurants I've been giving in the offering three times a day and I'm down to my last $20. I've got to go home tonight. Can you do something? I said, I can do one thing. If he don't call that prayer card tonight, I'll take that boy over to his trailer house and make him lay hands on that baby. I'll get him to the man of God. And I meant that. I would have done it. I I was leading the singing that night. And introduced Brother Allen, and he popped out on the stage. And he said, we're going to receive an offering tonight quickly. It's going to be an offering of faith. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to take another one. (laughs) But I might. And when he said, I want you to give an offering of faith... A puzzled look came on the faces of everybody, including me. I never heard him use that terminology before. 
And he said, now, if you don't know what I mean by an offering of faith, he said, I want you to give God something you can't afford to give. Because if you can afford it, there's no faith attached to it. It's logical. Never heard that expression. The first thing I saw was that little woman. She had the baby in her hand, tossed in another woman's arms, and she come running. She was three-fourths of the way back, and she beat everybody down there. He was holding the buckets. And I saw that woman come running fast. I mean, ran. 3,000 people in that auditorium. And she threw something in the bucket. I'm on the platform. I'm nosy now. I jumped off that platform. And I looked in that bucket. Because that woman told me all she had was that $20 bill. And when I looked in that bucket, you know what I saw in that bucket? $20. She's in Birmingham, Alabama, and she lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. But she wanted a miracle. She needed something from God she said, Lord, I'll walk home if you just heal my baby. When I saw that $20 bill, I ran behind the platform and I cried like a baby. I said, oh, God, I've been trying to teach that woman faith all week. But I said, oh, God, give me faith like that woman's God. I don't know whether I could do that. You don't know whether you can do it unless you're in a similar situation. That man of God received the offering, started preaching. He wasn't 15 minutes into that service when all of a sudden he said, he said, I'm, I see a big building. I said, oh, Lord, here we go on another trip. <laughs> this is how God used him. He said, it's a big old white building. I'm sitting there unmoved because I hear it all the time. He said, I'm inside the building now. And he said, I, oh, there's no doubt where I am. He said, I hear all them babies crying. It's the maternity ward in this hospital. He said, a little baby was born. He said, I see 12 doctors around him. He said, that little baby was born with 12, 14, 21, 20, 26 major diseases. And when he said that, I sat up and I said, my God, tonight's that baby's night. Tonight's that baby's night. He said the doctor said the baby wouldn't live to see its first birthday. But he said the doctor's wrong. He said that baby's approaching four. He said I see mother stuffing a suitcase. She's going on a trip. Another lady's with her. Put the baby in a bassinet. It's in the backseat of an old Ford. He said, I see the Tennessee-Alabama border. He said, that car's pulling in on the parking lot. He said, lady, you're here tonight. Bring me your baby now. God's going to give you 26 miracles. Now. Ooh. Not tomorrow, Benny. Now. God's going to give you 26 miracles. That little woman brought that baby. Four years of age, put it in the man of God's hands, and he started to walk back and forth on that platform. I leaped from my seat and walked with him. 3,000 people stood to their feet. He said, I want everybody to close your eyes and pray with me. I said, not me, mister. I'm going to watch this one. I've been waiting all week for this. And don't you all look so sanctified. You're just like I am. You want to see something, too. <laughs> 
And I'm standing there right next to him. And the first thing I saw was that tongue laying on the chin, snapped like a rubber band. And it went in his mouth for the first time in four years. Those little blind eyes, you didn't know whether they were blue or brown or what color they were because it was nothing but milky, solid milk. You knew the boy was blind, couldn't see. But I saw two whirlpools in those eyes. And all of a sudden, you could see brand new blue eyes coming through the milky colored condition. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about a God that's not dead, but a God that's alive. Hallelujah. Thank God for his anointing. The next thing I saw was those arms and legs began to snap simultaneously as they kicked out for the first time. Standing there in front of those people, there's no shoes on clubs. Those clubs were there. But I saw God create feet on that little boy's legs. I I used to buy my children, we used to buy them silly putty when they were kids. I don't know whether they have that now or not, but they used to make things out of that stuff. And it just looked like God was using silly putty to put a foot on the end of that boy's body. People's hands were raised. Some were fallen under the power. Some that didn't go down fell down. I mean, you were, we knew we were in the presence of an awesome God. Faith had nothing to do with this. This was God working in the midst of his people. This was a sovereign act of God. Mama standing over here on this side of the platform with her hands raised, tears streaming down her face. He put the child down. This boy never saw his mama. Never spoke, never walked, never talked. And when he put that boy down, he took his first little steps. And when he saw mama, he ran after her. I'm running after him. He leaped into his mama's arms, wrapped his arms around her, and I heard him say his first words, Mama, 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 Mama. Twelve wheelchairs, you in wheelchairs, listen to me. You that are watching by television, I want you to hear it. Twelve wheelchairs on this side of the platform. Like a sergeant commanded all twelve of them to stand at attention, all twelve stood up at one time. And they walked out of those wheelchairs. Some spinal cords were broken, severed because of motorcycle accidents. 3,000 people watching what was taking place. And all of a sudden, like a maestro leading a great chorus, every eye went to the stretcher case. 13, 14 stretchers on this side, like they knew what was going to happen. Everybody in those wheelchairs got up and walked out totally healed. And while we're standing on the platform, people began to file down the aisle. Back in those days, in 1957, the hearing aids were like transistor radios. They were pulling them out of their ears and out of their pockets where they had them and 
There were two dozen of them laying on the platform. They didn't need them any longer. People started taking glasses off and laying them on the platform. Every cane, every crutch, and every walker, they were bringing them down, walking normally. They were healed while they were seated out there. I always say nobody laid hands on them, but somebody did lay hands on them. It was the nail-scarred hand of Calvary that night. Can you shout amen? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Here comes a half a dozen people with different parts of the congregation. Six white canes with six inches of red at the bottom. Totally blind and their eyes popped open. Women lost four and five dress sizes when tumors just disappeared. Every person in the building was healed. Every person was healed. A divine, sovereign act of God. And people ask me, why, how, why and how did it happen like that? I can't but have one answer. That God lifted the veil to show me what he's going to do in this last day. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It's not going to be two out of ten or three out of seven. It's not going to be eight out of ten. But I believe we're living in the day when everybody's going to get healed by the power of God. No man will take glory for it. But it'll be God working through his people. You are the anointed ones of God. Can you raise your hands and shout amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 So why do we share that? First of all, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm very honest. Most churches in America wouldn't share because it would go against the theology of cessation or whatever it is. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. We need to share things like that. God did that to show us who he is. And it's all Bible. The Bible says when after they put the blood on the doorpost and they ate of the lamb, there was not one feeble among them. Can you imagine? Not one blind, not one deaf, not one crippled. They had suffered mercilessly at the hands of the Egyptians. The greatest healing service ever took place on earth. We shared that so you can understand and I could understand more what it really means to be a Christian. That it's not about us in our piety, in our whatever, but it's about him. And it's about the greater one in us. It's easy to read the scriptures and minimize them because we put them in the context of our experience, our natural mind. When it says greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world that would try to bring harm to you or anything that you're experiencing regarding outward appearance that would try to bring harm to you. It could be healing, it could be condemnation, it can be just, man, just unbelief, a hundred things. God. Everybody say God. 
God. Hallelujah. See, the mindset on the grace of God that made the decision to send his son when we were unworthy. The mindset on the blood that was shed and the infinite price that was paid. The mindset on the word of God given to us, written by the one in you. The mindset on the grace of God. The mindset on the greater one, the person of Holy Spirit in you. Ooh, glory to Jesus. That is the person that's going to walk in victory. Glory to God. So it does away with all this stuff of trying to make it happen. Our God is, our job is not to make it happen, it's to believe in the one who makes it happen. Amen? Within you and I, when you feel weak, he will make it happen. When you don't understand when you're going through a trial and he gives you comfort and this lets you know that it's all going to be all right and for eternity you're going to win. And we've all been through some things. I believe we are in the last days. Man, Isaiah 5, evil is being looked on as good, good as evil. Crazy things going on. I was talking to someone recently, a Gallup did a poll and it was uh, in the state of California. And they did a similar poll, like about 20 years ago, and they said, who do you believe God is? And Jesus was the number one answer. They, they did a poll recently in the last year, and the number one answer was me. You. Yeah, I am God. I'm here to tell you. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through the one whose name is Jesus. There's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way to get life, and that's through the one who is life, and his name is Jesus. Amen? But how we enter in to this life. You see, the Bible talks about, in Ephesians 1, 16 to 18, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, revelation is just who he is, who he is to us, who we are to him. But it's also the spirit of wisdom. How does God make it happen? And the Bible says God makes it happen by the greater one in you, by Holy Spirit in you. Because he has the legal right to infuse the life of Jesus into you, in me, daily. So it's not you who live, but Christ who lives in you. We ever got the truth of that, man? The world would be turned upside down in a day. Glory to God. So let's look at a few verses. Again, we're talking about wisdom. Someone says, well, I'm just going to try harder. That's the worst thing you can do sometimes. You know, I shared a story, I was, I don't know, about five, six years ago, I was, is it a springtime, and I took my tractor out, and, and then I couldn't start it up, so I brought my car out to, to jump the battery, didn't realizing how soft the, the ground was, and I got the bow stuck, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, end up 
So I was trying to get out of there, and the more I revved it up and put reverse and drive, trying to rock it back, man, the more I sunk in. It didn't, didn't work. I just called a tow truck. It's trying harder, yeah, in the, in the sense that you, we need to get in the Word, but even that, it's like, but we have to do it through the Spirit of God. That's what God wants us to see today. We're going to look at just a couple of scriptures. Go with me to Zechariah 4. And then we're going to look at Ephesians 3.20. Are you excited today? Man, I love that testimony. Glory to God. Someone says, I have a hard time believing that. Then you must have a hard time believing that the, whole, the same Holy Spirit that did that raised Jesus from the dead. What was harder? I probably, to raise someone from the dead? I mean, people tell you, I mean, doctors tell you it's like, I had one doctor say that to raise someone from the dead, you know, remember we had Katrina and, I mean, New Orleans, I mean, was just devastated. I mean, years and years ago, and they're still trying to recover from it. He said it would be like a thousand cities being destroyed completely and then coming into the way they were in a moment's time. That's the one that's in you. Glory to God. See, that's cross in you, the mystery of the gospel, the hope of glory. It's a mystery in the sense, I, I, you know, you can't understand it fully with your natural mind. The God of the universe in you, one with your spirit. And you see, the more something spiritually discerned, the more easily it is to dismiss. I'm going to say that again. The more something is spiritually discerned, 1 Corinthians 2, the more easy it is to dismiss. Well, I don't understand that. I don't understand how Trinity, I don't understand this. I don't understand. You know what? Your mind is not going to be able to understand everything. That's why we have a spirit to believe. Amen? Glory to God. Woo, the one who created the universe is inside of you. All right, let's look at Zechariah 4. I tell you what, this gets me pumping. Seriously, man, usually when I wake up, this is what I think on. When I go to bed, this is what I think on. The greater one reigning in the lives of people. Ooh, Jesus. In Zechariah 4, Zerubbabel was commissioned to help build this big wall. And in those days, the wall kept the enemies out, okay? We could probably learn from that, Amen. And uh, so every time Zerubbabel got like halfway built, the enemies that were surrounded him, they would mock him and just tear it down. Mm. You ever feel like the enemies mocked you? And he's like, man, he just said, I I've had enough of this. I, I mean, I, I can't do it. There's no way to do it. And then the prophet, Zechariah, came to him. A man gave him a vision. I mean, just turned his world upside down. Ooh, in Zechariah 4, 1, the angel that talked with me again, walked me as a man, woken me as a man woken out of sleep, said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I've looked and behold, a candlestick, all of gold with a bow upon it, and seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. Now, in Isaiah 11, we see the sevenfold spirit that was on Jesus. 
And Revelation, which represented the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 1, we see the seven spirits that were, oh, Jesus. The, the, the things that the Holy Spirit does. Glory to God. And two olive trees by it, and one on the right side of the bowl, and the other on the left side. And so I answered and spoke to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said, Knowest thou not what these mean? I said, No, my Lord. And he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, Holy Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Yahweh say above. Woo, glory to God. He got the revelation that somehow it would take more than him just trying. But somehow, because of the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, the living God, bearing witness, hallelujah, to Jesus, bearing witness to the Father that he was going to win. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. And then when he gets this revelation, it's not just revelation, but it's wisdom. Amen? It's wisdom. Again, you can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. There are people that try to gain their salvation in Mexico. I mean, older ladies in their 80s, that men, they go on their knees two miles to church, their knees are bloody, thinking somehow that pays the price for their sins. And they're sincere. I know missionaries that work in that area, but they're sincerely wrong. Romans 7 is sincerely wrong. They're trying to go about for your own strength. Religion is maybe sincere, but sincerely wrong. Mm. Grace has saved us, but grace enables us to walk in victory. It was grace Man, when you said that simple prayer inviting Jesus into your life, the Bible says, Holy Spirit blew like a wind. Woo! Somehow took away your sinfulness and replaced it. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 9 with the image of Jesus. Glory to God. That's grace. Same grace causes us to live today. Man. So he says, who art thou, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. He shall bring forth the headstone. Thereof with shoutings crying, grace, grace. Grace is not an excuse for sin. Grace is the provision to overcome sin, the overcoming ability. Wow, glory to God. Woo, Jesus. Man, hallelujah, Jesus. Can someone say amen? Woo, glory. Hallelujah, God. Woo! See, this is about you. It's about me. Man, as whether it's a service here, I, I could share 100 examples. Many of you can too, but I need so much more. Man, I was in a, a giant eagle, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I saw this young couple of college students. He said, they're, you know, we started pregnancy centers, and now we have like four of them. And uh, so I pray against, you know, abortion every day. He said, they're about to enter into sexual sin, abortion will result. And man, I wasn't ready. And I tried to do it, but it was in my own strength. And I got tongue-tied. I got tongue-tied. 
and didn't speak. And man, I just went home and wept and asked God for mercy. And Lord said, you see, you relied too much on your own strength. You didn't walk by faith, you walked by your emotions. So by, it couldn't have been more than four weeks later, there's a bus stop right in town. And, and the kids, college students came out of the bus. And I saw two other people. And the Lord spoke to me again. I said, these two people, he gave me where they were going. He said, they're going to the such and such an apartment. They're going to enter into sexual sin and abortion will result. I mean, I still didn't feel it. But I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I asked the power of the Holy Ghost to come. And my tongue was loosed. And I said, I said, you know, this might sound crazy to you, but I'm a Christian. I believe I can hear the voice of God. I believe God's saying this. The girl was a backslidden Christian. She just started to weep and weep. And the guy got angry and angrier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I gave him that apartment that they were going to enter into. And she gave her life to Jesus. Glory to God. That's the Holy Ghost. I need more of the Holy Ghost. <sighs> Jesus. But here's what's even more exciting. Verse 11, he answered and said, I mean, what are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the side? Of, and I answered again and said, what are these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes emptied the golden oil out of themselves? And he said in, in the Amplified, it says, these are the sons of oil. Friend, Christ, Christian means one anointed with the oil of God, was Holy Ghost. You see, the sevenfold spirit of the Holy Ghost is to flow in you, to flow through you, to flow for him. Jesus. Jesus, sons of oil. Whew, man. Go back to me if you would to Ephesians 3. Glory to God. I know there's a lot here, so I encourage you to get this, this uh, CD, DVD, Glory to God. Really, I want to encourage you to get it and send this on YouTube to people, really. They'll say, well, man, they'll know I'm kind of crazy and out there when they see that video. They think you're crazy anyways. Don't worry about it. Amen. Glory to God. I'm not ashamed. Man, that's awesome. Man, I could watch that 10 times a day and keep watching it. Oh, man, Ephesians 3.20. It's an amazing verse. Not unto him, unto God, that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even ask or even think. But here's the best part. According to the power that works in you. You put your name in there. Jesus, unto him be glory, the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. This is what we need to meditate on. Wow. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, whether it's a small thing that we just can't seem to do, or whether it's a big thing that is so outlandishly impossible it doesn't matter because it's not about how big the need is. It's about how big God is in you. 
Jesus. Jesus. Some of those listening to my voice right now, you've been in struggle for years, even decades. And God's saying, today's your day. You've accepted Jesus. and It's a day to release the one in you to do what you cannot do. It's the day to say, God, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. <sighs> to cause the anointing of the living God to take you over. So what you can't do, you will do. Because of him, that's true grace. So you can walk daily in the reality of Zechariah 4, 6, 7, Ephesians 3, 20. Stand with me if you would. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just had one word of knowledge. I heard the name Michael. I'll take it for myself, but I believe it's for somebody else as well. Jesus. We should be the most excited people on the earth. We should be the strongest people on the earth. The most worshipful people on the earth because of what the gospel is. Christ in you through the Holy Ghost. The hope of glory. Jesus, is that a minister to you now? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and you're watching this, listening to this, you cannot save yourself. Only through the blood of Jesus manifested through Holy Spirit giving you a new life. If that's you, just say, I'm done with trying to make his work. Holy Ghost, Jesus, forgive me. Holy Ghost, change me by causing me to be born again. And if you're a believer, it's time to walk in the revelation and wisdom of what the gospel really is. It's not about you but about the faith that he gives you. Faith in the one who shed his blood. 